We know that if we incentivize companies to use recycled materials because us, the consumers, demand it, it can change the game. Welcome, neighbors, to Hometown Earth, the podcast that brings a down-to-earth approach to all of your sustainability questions. I'm your host, Lena Sanford, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here, we believe that everyone can change the world. Do you believe? I'm a Midwest gal with big dreams to discover what it takes to reduce my impact on this beautiful place we call Hometown Earth. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate what actions we can take, big or small, to make a positive impact in your life and the lives of your neighbors on Hometown Earth. Hello, neighbors. Have you been thinking about your waste? I know I've been thinking about mine a lot the past couple of weeks, especially my recycling, since I have more of that than I do trash. But even though I've been recycling diligently the past couple of years, I still ask myself a few questions. Is this recyclable? Where is it going? Really? Am I actually helping by recycling? If you're asking yourself the same questions, don't feel guilty. Recycling is highly discussed because it's something that anyone can do. And there are blue recycling bins pretty much everywhere reminding us of that. But there's still a lot of mystery surrounding recycling, and that's because there isn't much education about it. It's pretty much a message of recycling is good with the globally recognized green recycling symbol stuck on the products that we use. But did you know that the recycling symbol doesn't actually mean that it's going to be recycled? The recycling symbol was created during the growth of recycling in 1970 when Gary Anderson, a 23-year-old college student, won a contest sponsored by one of the largest paper recyclers at the time. Gary had no idea his symbol would be so widely known so many years later. He says that this symbol, the three chasing arrows in a Mobius loop, suggested an unbroken existence within certain boundaries, that things are both dynamic and static at the same time. It was simple and got across the message well, but people are still confused. If the symbol doesn't mean that it can be recycled, what does it mean? Let's break it down. In general, the symbol itself just means that it is recyclable somehow, some way. But usually it comes down to the community who picks it up and the company who makes the products. If you see the symbol on a black circle or with a percentage in the middle, that tells you that it has been made from recyclable materials. But it doesn't always mean that it can be recycled. Paper products can be recycled around five to seven times. Glass and aluminum are 100% recyclable and can be recycled endlessly without loss in quality. Plastic can be recycled anywhere from 1 to 10 times, depending on the type of plastic that it is. We've all seen these numbers on plastic in between the recycling symbol. But like I said, they don't always mean that they're recyclable. These numbers tell us what kind of plastic they are and how we can dispose of them. 
Here's a really quick rundown of the primary one to seven plastics. Number one, pet plastic is our everyday plastic that we use in soda bottles, food containers, and other household containers. Picked up by most curbside recycling and can be recycled many times over. Number two, HDPE plastic is another standard plastic used in milk jugs, shampoo bottles, and other household cleaning products. These are thicker and more durable plastics that you find around your house. Like number one, pet plastics, this one is highly recyclable up to 10 times and is picked up by most curbside recycling authorities. Number three, PVC or V plastics. Think PVC pipe, vinyl flooring, mattress covers, siding, or shower curtains. This type of plastic should be avoided because it is not easily recyclable and it is not accepted by most facilities. This is because it has so many different chemical compounds and additives. Number four, LDPE plastic is plastic like six-pack rings, cling wrap, frozen food bags, mostly plastic that is thin and transparent. Because it is so lightweight, we often see it as pollution because it drifts everywhere, especially in our oceans. It usually isn't picked up curbside and can only be recycled once. However, take that with a grain of salt because number four can also include more durable products like bottle lids, condiment bottles, or tubs and can be recycled but usually go in the containers only recycling bin. So when you're looking at number four plastics, just kind of use your judgment and look it up if you're not sure. Number five is PP Plastics. Most microwavable containers are number five plastics because this is the plastic that can withstand high heat. It is used for butter and yogurt containers, bottle caps, straws, and medicine bottles. It is recyclable up to four times and is becoming more widely accepted by curbside recycling programs. Number six, PS plastic, and I'll go ahead and give you the PS, please avoid, number six if you can. PS plastic is packing peanuts, disposable cutlery, bowls and plates, plastic egg cartons, and takeout containers. It is not easily recyclable and is not often accepted. Number seven, this is the other category. This is the weird stuff that usually isn't labeled like signs, sunglasses, nylon, and five-gallon buckets, and more. These are items made of a bunch of different resins, which makes it really hard to recycle and why most authorities won't pick them up. If you haven't noticed, there's a common theme here. It's up to the local authorities what type of plastics they want to pick up or not. The United States doesn't have a federal recycling program, meaning that each community has its own rules and regulations. This is one of the reasons that many people say recycling in the U.S. is broken. I wouldn't say it's broken, but I would say it's definitely not working as we need it to, which isn't a reason to stop doing it. So what's wrong with our recycling? Along with the lack of recycling infrastructure in most parts of the country, 
there are a few other reasons why recycling isn't all it's cracked up to be. I mentioned last week that out of 292.4 million tons of waste per year, 94 million tons of that is recycled and composted, and recycling alone counts for 69.1 million tons. According to the EPA, paper and paperboard account for approximately 67% of that total recycled amount. Metals comprised about 13%, while glass, plastic, and wood made up between 4 and 5%. The amount that is recycled pales in comparison to the amount that we produce. For instance, 35.7 million tons of plastics are made in the United States each year. We have got to do better. In an interview with CNBC, TerraCycle and Loop founder and CEO Tom Sazaki said that our economy is a big problem. We think putting items in a bin means they're recycled, they're taken care of. But if companies can't make money off of them, they're likely not going to be recycled. It's all about demand and profit. Companies can make new plastics cheaper than purchasing recyclables when oil prices are low. There's also another big problem, where we ship our recyclables. I was definitely shocked to find out that almost half of the world's discarded materials have been shipped to and handled by China for decades. Columbia's Climate School reports that in 2016, the U.S. exported 16 million tons of plastic, paper, and metals to China. In actuality, 30% of these mixed recyclables were ultimately contaminated by non-recyclable material, were never recycled, and ended up polluting China's countryside and oceans. An estimated 1.3 to 1.5 million metric tons of plastic found its way into the ocean off China's coast each year. Then, in 2018, China banned imports on these types of recyclables, so we started shipping to Vietnam, Malaysia, Cambodia, Bangladesh, Ghana, Laos, Ethiopia, Kenya, and Thailand. The U.S. still ships over 1 million metric tons a year of plastic waste abroad, often to countries already overwhelmed by it. That brings us back to infrastructure. When we are shipping it elsewhere without regard to what really happens to it, we don't have any incentives to create a structure to deal with it or prevent it in our own country. We don't see it as our problem anymore, but it is. So if the recycling symbol doesn't mean it's recyclable and we ship most of our recycling to other countries, what else is there to know? Well, the way many of us recycle is putting them all into the same bin, single stream recycling, which makes it easy for consumers and easy to pick up, but increases the risk of contamination for the entire batch of recycling, rendering it useless. Some of this is due to what they call wish cycling, which is when you throw away something in the recycling bin, hoping that when it gets there, it can be recycled. But you aren't really sure. 
These extra wish items can spool the entire truckload of recycling. But I promise there is hope. Nationally recognized waste experts, Republic Services, give us three easy steps to become a better recycler. The first step is to know what you throw. We just went over a little bit about plastic recycling, but the best thing to do is to contact your city and see what they allow. Ask them about whether you should leave the lid on when you're recycling bottles because the standard is that you leave them on, but each city is different. Ask them about crushing items before putting them in the recycling as sometimes it's easier to sort it when it's in 3D form. That is truly the best way to ensure that you don't end up wish cycling or recycling incorrectly. Step two from the waste experts is empty, clean, dry. They say to keep all recyclables free of food and liquid. One dirty item can contaminate an entire truckload. So make sure recyclables are empty, clean, and dry. It does take a little extra time, but it's worth it if it means it could be used again. Step three, don't bag it. Leave items loose in a bin unless told otherwise by your city. See, pretty simple. Easy as one, two, three. A few other tips are not to throw away anything smaller than a credit card as it can clog up the recycling processing machines and to make sure to keep your recycling bins clean as they can contaminate your newly empty, clean, and dry recyclables. We know that if we incentivize companies to use recycled materials because us, the consumers, demand it, it can change the game. The truth is many places don't even have recycling available because there isn't a demand for it, it's not profitable, and it's not built into the infrastructure, kind of like my hometown and the surrounding areas. But things can always swing towards sustainability, especially if we make it a habit. Recycling is the starting point for many people getting into sustainable living. It is tangible and can be the catalyst for more sustainable action. We can improve the process and economics as we go along. A few ways to make recycling a habit is to have a bin somewhere visible. Start with paper and cardboard, which are the easy recyclables. Have a printout of what is recyclable on your fridge or somewhere nearby so that you don't have to question if something is recyclable or not. And I'll link one of those in the show notes. You can also ensure everyone in the house pitches in and is held accountable for treating their waste with care. And finally, keep separate bins for recyclables that can't be picked up curbside, like batteries, electronics, and more. Remember, companies like TerraCycle and Gimme5 take items that regular recycling authorities won't. But if you really want to practice better waste management, you can go back up to the top of the hierarchy from last week. Prevention and reduction and reuse. We can consume less, meaning we have less waste to worry about handling adequately and the implications of if we do handle it improperly. 
We can also focus on reusing instead of recycling, keeping it one step away from the landfill yet again. It's small actions that can make a big change. So for this week's Something to Grow On, I want to challenge you to take a small action. Contact your city about recycling. Find out more about what they accept and what they don't. Then pay attention to your waste. What plastic numbers do you see popping up on the products that you buy? Are they recyclable? Are they easily recyclable? Is there another alternative that you could choose when you go to the grocery store that is a more recyclable option? Or maybe you could replace it altogether with something that's zero waste. Get creative and think about how you might be able to reuse your items instead of recycling them at all. I'll put some resources in the show notes so you can check it out. It's a little work up front, but the more you know, the better. I'll end with a quote by musician Jack Johnson. An individual action multiplied by millions creates global change. That is what we're doing here. Adopting sustainable habits that are better for our planet so that together we can create global change. Thank you for being here and I'll see you next week, neighbor. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Hometown Earth as much as I did. Let us know by rating and subscribing so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every week on Tuesday. Head to the show notes linked in the episode description for more details. And let us know in the comments what you want to hear next. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. And you can find more about the podcast on Instagram at Hometown Earth or connect with me personally personally at Lena Saintford. We all know change needs to happen. So let's get started right here at Hometown Earth. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.